Football is back and right now, Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day. And with Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, numbers of goals and more to create your own personalized bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to the latest edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey. I'm The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent. I hope this finds you safe and well. Uh, We have a goal and with it, the brink of a record fifth Premier League relegation. So uh, we're here once again to bring you a pint-sized podcast reaction, this time with Norwich City stats guru known as NCFC Numbers on Twitter. To us, he's Steve Sanders. Hi, Michael. And uh, a delight to say we're joined for the first time on On The Ball by BBC Radio Norfolk presenter and commentator, Phil Daly. Oh, nice to be here. Uh, absolute pleasure. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, Phil, how are you? And how's it been commentating on the on the away games uh, in place of Mr Gorham since the restart? Yeah, it's been really strange, actually, hasn't it? I mean, you know, obviously it's been talked at length about how weird it all is. But um, I must admit, even though, you know, Chris did an excellent job describing how strange things were at Carrow Road, I didn't quite realise it until I went to the Emirates last week. Uh, and especially that the final 10 minutes, <laughs> as, as Norwich had been seen off quite handsomely, and I just wanted the whistle to blow as quickly as possible. <laughs> and, and, it, and it obviously didn't. Um, went on for another you know, 10 minutes or so, plus that dreaded extra time. And with no fans in the ground, whether they're you know, the home fans celebrating a great win or you know, on the Ball City would still be ringing out in one corner, wouldn't it? Because they're, they're great, the fans who travel. It just felt like Norwich's season was already over. Um, and you know, much the same at Watford, completely different performance by the Canaries last night, but, uh, but still getting into the dying seconds. Although there, were, there was the odd chance to maybe equalise you just wanted to get home sooner rather than later. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, I can fully appreciate that. At least you got a gold commentator. Tom. What a brilliant moment that must have been yesterday. <laughs> yes, it was. And I, I, I thoroughly, in fact, you know, you can almost have an exclusive here, Michael, that um, I, I could almost retell it because you'd be the first person to hear it because um, sadly <laughs> um, we rely on not old technology. I mean, it's, it's very stable, actually. We use something called an ISDN, which is like a like a really high quality phone line basically and and but but we are kind of at the mercy of making sure someone doesn't pull it out or if uh, if there's a power cut or anything like that or even if just somewhere in the the BT complex something doesn't go wrong and it went wrong last night and um I was happily commentating on a on a great run down the left-hand side until Buendia turns inside uses his left foot curls into the top left-hand corner brilliant goal for Norwich City what a start 4 minutes in Emmy Buendia's first Premier League goal of the season and then I'm getting a phone call from base. I'm thinking, they, they, they shouldn't be ringing me. They know I can't really be distracted while you're doing a commentary. And then there's a text message saying, Phil, the line's dropped out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so no. I have to redial quickly, find the right number to dial in. And then I hear you know, Rob back at base saying, oh, yeah, brilliant goal. Um, let's get back to 
<laughs> Vicarage Road and catch up with Phil Daly. And I was like, oh, devastated. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> and there the, you go. The great lost goal. But we, we got it from you there, so I'm taking that. Well, but, you know. yeah. At least it's not going to prove to be the one that saves Norwich City from relegation because no. then I would be even more upset. <laughs> that is definitely not what it's going to be. Um, Steve, how are you? Yeah. Got a cup uh, of tea great. on the I, go, I, I saw. I do, yeah. yeah. I feel like, um, well, that, there's your promo right there. The, the, com- the Radio Norfolk commentary that, that would have been for that goal. You know, hear it, hear it, hear it exclusively. So exactly. That's good. Um, yeah. now, to be honest, as far as I'm concerned I've, I've not really got anything i feel like i've done nothing since i last spoke to you these things are coming <laughs> thick and fast it's part of my routine now is just watch the game and then speak to michael about it the next day i wouldn't have it any other way but um yeah uh if if fans want rotation from our team they, they may start wanting rotation on the athletic podcast as well so it uh, no, might be no. might be time for me to to take a spell on the bench i don't know Oh, they're certainly going to get sick of my voice, I'm sure. But um, it's uh, it, it, we, we probably will do this for another week, I reckon, because we've got one more midweek game next week uh, when Norwich travel to Chelsea. Cool, that'll be good. And uh, then, of course, it's Burnley. And then it, the last two fixtures are on, on weekend. So we'll probably return to our Monday recording schedule. Everyone will be delighted to, to know. Um, as always, we do start with our uh, snap verdicts. Um, it's our routine now. So uh, Norwich lost Tuesday night. 2-1 at Watford. They actually scored, got themselves ahead uh, and that still wasn't good enough for them. Uh, Steve, do you reckon you can distill it in, uh, in 30 seconds? You could probably distill it in five if you wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, I, I, I think it has been a bit Groundhog Day, some of the uh, verdicts that we've had, but I, I, we've been fairly vitriolic previously. I, th- I think maybe I feel a lot more positive, weirdly, uh, even though we kind of lost a big six point, if you like. Um, I felt like we, we got a bit of what makes Farkas Norwich. We got a bit of that DNA back uh, yesterday. Obviously, the result was very disappointing. Uh, we scored a goal. How, how fun was that, celebrating a goal? <laughs> I've almost forgotten what that felt like. Um, Watford, I didn't think, looked great, um, but they got the ball in wide areas well, um, threatened it, it, our fullbacks a lot, and obviously the winning goal was a superb effort. I felt like, unlike a lot of the games since restart, we deserved something from that. I liked the, the team that was picked, and uh, I think we know we're going down, but it's a, it's a performance that gave me a bit of confidence for next season. Throw yours in. Do you want to throw yours in, Phil? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with everything Steve said, really. Uh, much better, uh, and I think there was plenty of effort, and that's, you know, that's what the fans really want to see for the last games of the season, don't they? It's, it's just looking like they want it, for whatever reason, whether they're trying to get a move, whether they're trying to get a bonus, whatever, or whether you know, they, they want to stay next season. I don't, I don't think well, the fans do care, but they, they just want to see their team trying harder. And I think they did last night, and I, and I think they were the better team. You know, arguably... A goal from a man who's got 40 caps for England and an ex-Arsenal player with a bicycle kick, which could have gone anywhere and ends up in the top corner. I mean, it just sums Norwich up, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. Even when they are the better team, they just can't do enough. I mean, if it if it hadn't been um, if it hadn't been quite uh, such an exceptional finish, people maybe have, would have spoken a little bit more about what I still think was a shove from um, from um, Saar into McLean. Now I know Kenny McLean should be stronger there. I get that, but Saar hasn't touched the ball and he's pushed him over. Um, and to me, you put that foul, regardless of who the teams are, in, in other circumstances. I think that. Um, the defending player would get the free kick there, um, Anthony Taylor. I have to say, it's been really interesting. I haven't had a, even a single thought, I think, in any of the home games about the referee. It's been really just non-plus. They've just been 
an anonymous to the game generally in both away games they've been awful i felt and it's really weird how it shouldn't be like that and i'm not in any way saying it's affected the, the actual game itself um it's just been such a weird um observation in my head um i mean do we do we feel that much of that improvement that we, we kind of, uh, or uh, the, the slight positives, maybe let's not overdo it, uh, we're, we're clinging on to come from the fact that we, we saw Mario, Mario Vrancic and Marco Stieferman start. I know someone, someone uh, said, uh, replied to me on Twitter saying, you thought Marco Stieferman had a good game. I mean, I, I, I thought he did okay. And I thought what he did was sort of maybe help Norwich play a little bit more like how we've seen them, I suppose, in terms of build-up play, Stephen. And also, I, I suppose Mario's performance made me, once again, kind of wonder why he hasn't started more often, to be honest, because I don't really buy this thing that he's not strong enough. He's not p- particularly much weaker than everyone else in the midfield. <laughs> well, well, it's interesting. Vrancic is, uh, when you look at the number of tackles that players put in, Vrancic is, is, is very high on that, uh, more so than McLean and Leitner. Um, I think he maybe got a slightly easy ride yesterday in that Watford were very much concentrating on the wide areas. So I don't think he had to do quite as much in terms of the battling in midfield. And we had a lot of possession. So it was a game that suited Mario. I agree that he, he just he looks classy on the ball um, and he, he tries passes and, and is able to, to complete passes that, that um, our other, the other players who we've had in that role um, haven't been able to so much. Um, I was surprised actually, I was looking at McLean's starts and I think, um, I, I don't have the exact numbers to hand actually, but but he's played nearly every game since the Man City home match. I think he's missed one league game. He started every other match. So it, was, it was, felt strange not to have him out there. Um, Steeperman was Steeperman. Um, I actually, <laughs> I liked having him back. Um, I thought he did, I thought he linked up the play really well. I think he, um, he, he, he I think he brought the best out of the two wide players who I thought were the outstanding players for us on the day. Um, Not everything he did came off. Quite often, not everything he does do does come off. But from, again, looking ahead to next season, I think I saw enough from those two players to suggest that um, they're worth keeping hold of and that they would have a role to play. Harry's sponsors On The Ball, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who are sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel and travel blade cover. That's worth saying at this point, I have got one of these packs and it is fantastic. I I do also have a beard, as you'll know, but I do like to trim around it. And I have to say, my neck has never felt so good. As a listener of On The Ball, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash on the ball right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com forward slash on the ball. I think it's a good point from Steve that what we saw, I think, in Watford was um, 
a team unlike a lot of the other teams that Norwich have played since the restart who weren't in a particularly good place and they they did kind of allow a lot of of time and, and movement for Norwich which I guess makes it kind of a missed opportunity doesn't it Phil? Yeah it really does yeah I mean they were really good going down sort of both flanks but in the middle there there was a bit of space wasn't there for Mario Vrancic to, to get forward. I, I thought it was really interesting when you, you spoke to Huxlark last week talking about Vrancic and how, um, you know, there's conspiracy theories about why he's not starting. Before last night, he'd had four starts, and his last one was against Manchester United, uh, away from home, not in the cup, in, in the league. And he got taken off after about 65 minutes, and he was really ineffective. You know, playing against the Watford side, who were really struggling, you know, on confidence, he looked a lot better, and he had a lot more time and space. Um, but but Steve picked up on it there as well. The thing I was most impressed about with him last night was the fact that he was snapping in with challenges. You know, not not just getting a tackle and, and you know getting an extra tick in his stats, but snapping in with them. And that's something that I think I think he's been weaker in uh, over the, the, the last couple of seasons, really. So it was good to see that from him. But yeah, Norwich really missed an opportunity last night. And you know, we can, how many times has, has that been said? But once again, look on paper. All of those played for Norwich City in the Championship last year. That was a Championship team playing against a struggling Premier League side. Um, and the Premier League quality shone through. And we're talking about a, a struggling Premier League side with Saar that cost 25 million quid, with Troy Deeney, who's been there, done it, got all the experience, with Dawson, who scored some great goals coming up from the back and has got lots of experience. So, you know, it just shows where Norwich are. And we're almost saying it's more of a positive that, that Norwich found their mojo from last year. Well, that's the, the reason is they're playing the players they had last year. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. And, and I, it, how that sort of pans out over the course of next season is something we will get lots of time to, to talk about. Are you going to say something there, Steve? Yeah, I was going to, I mean, I was going to add, um, I think I tweeted it yesterday that it was the first time they played uh, a lineup of championship players if you like from last season since um, the Spurs game um, I, I just wanted to go quickly back to the point that you made about um, Kenny as well in terms of the goal um, and the referee I, I, I'm not actually I mean I, I, I thought that Kenny should have been stronger there I think what was interesting to me and where the referee came into this is that obviously Farker brought uh, McLean on two minutes before maybe for Teddy. Um, I think part of the reason for that was maybe Teddy being on a yellow card and I actually think that that yellow card was very harsh. I don't think he deserved that um, for, it was for bringing down Welbeck. And he was a little bit card happy, um, Anthony Taylor, in the early stages of the game. Um, but <laughs> it's kind of typical of the way things are going for Farker at the moment. Everything seemed to work last season. Uh, this season, he brings McLean on for Teddy in what is quite a... Uh, an offensive enterprising move because he sees us um, as having a chance of winning the game and then within a couple of minutes McLean is brushed off in a challenge that I think Teti would have been stronger in probably gets the ball in and suddenly we're behind and it, it's just felt ever since lockdown that's the way things have gone um, and I, I had some sympathy for Farker in that instance actually I mean, he, he, he all got crossed into the box though didn't he and I've just looked on the BBC Sport website this morning saying a poor clearance from Max Ahrens you know, and he, he, did, he did really well to get anything on it but what does it do loops up into the air well Beck's got his back to goal surely he can't do much <laughs> here and then pulls off the spectacular so you're right it, you know, it just feels like it's a, a sequence of events that goes against Norwich City Daniel Farker trying to make some and an offensive change and it ends up being a goal against within two minutes and uh, it, I I found it sad that no one really appealed the the foul. I I I just there was that, and I I don't. Norwich obviously in an absolute rut at the moment, and so 
I, I just feel they would have appealed quite vehemently if that had happened, if they were in a happier place. It's kind of similar to the fact, I don't know if you picked up on this, Phil, that I was sort of sat directly behind both dugouts um, on the halfway line. And then in the sort of seats, like at most Evergreens, uh, sort of behind over quite a big space are all the substitutes and staff. The amount of times, the, the, what, so the same number really, but the amount of times you could hear all the Watford uh, substitutes and staff really going rawr and clapping and really shouting. I don't really remember hearing that from the Norwich side, to be honest, at any point during the game, which again, I guess is possibly just symptomatic of the fact of the, the hole they're in. Um, I thought that was quite telling and to be quite honest, a bit sad. Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I must admit, I, I, it was sometimes hard for me to work out where the cheering was coming from because you, you did have to scratch your head a few times and kind of go, well, there's, there's no fans in here. So what, what are all these people? But, you, but you're right, it was, it was the substitute and backroom staff, you know, not that there was many of them, but they were making their voices heard. And I think it comes down to that belief, doesn't it? You know, I, and I was talking to Leon Barnett before the game yesterday, and he was quite disappointed with some of the comments that had come out from after the previous game, uh, after the, the Brighton game, from Kenny McLean and from the head coach, Daniel Farker, saying that, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty much done, isn't it? Yeah, season's pretty much, we're, we're, we're down, aren't we? And he just, you know, I understood where Daniel Farker was coming from. He wasn't going to come out and say, no, we'll fight them, fight them on the beaches, you know, whatever, because <laughs> um, they just lost so many games in a row. You, you've got to be respectful and be realistic to a certain extent. But um, Leon was quite sort of firm about that saying now as players you need to believe until it is mathematically done that you can still get out of this and and maybe not maybe not believing it I think that sort of celebration or lack of it and support from the sidelines backs that up I mean Norwich have um it, it, it's been interesting that their, their issues have tended to come when they've been on the pitch and conceded or gone behind. Um, they've actually started games pretty well, which, which tells me that actually they, they are managing to motivate themselves as, as they go out because I haven't seen them just completely flop when they've gone out and kicked off from the start. That's my view. I know some people might disagree with me. Um, so that's interesting. But again, I, I think there, there have been times um, over how Norwich have operated that they haven't really wanted to give everyone... Um, I suppose almost excuses just not to go, we haven't got any money, we haven't got this, we haven't got that, to, to not push on. Now this season, it, it has felt a bit different. And I, I compl- I'm not going to argue what they're saying because I, I think factually you can't really argue with it. But it's difficult when Daniel Farker comes out and says, well, we only had a 5% chance of staying up anyway. And I, I know you can say that now, but and I know no one said it earlier on, but it just excuses a lot. And I think you can, you can give players a lot of room to, to not bother. And, and I'm not saying they're not bothering, but I'm just saying those really marginal gains, you can lose quite a lot by just a little bit of leeway. And it's going to be a drastic change, isn't it, Steve, from going, well, we only had a 5% chance to going up, uh, of staying up this season. Only a 5% chance. We, we have no money. No one's played any Premier League football before, even though that was supposed to be a benefit because no one would fear it. Um, we're, you know, what do you expect? To kicking off in the middle of September going, right, well, we now need to finish in the top six and we are going to be the, probably the favourites to win this division because we're in the best position um, and certainly finish in the top two. And you're going to have to win probably one out of every two games away you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and um, the, the, the lack of money, you would assume, is, is not going to be an excuse next year because we have to 
you know, I know we keep talking about it, but we have to assume that at least a couple of our players are going to leave for big money in the summer. So there, there will be cash to spend and they've got Premier League money as well. So, so I, I don't think they can use that as an excuse. Um, you have to wonder, don't you, with because I have heard Farker talk about that our lack of resources compared to other teams. And although he, you kind of think he he won't be saying it publicly, you you just think if if that thought has come into his mind or the players' minds at all, whether that does have an an impact in terms of you talk about that fight and the belief to stay up. You almost wonder if that if there is a little bit of well, we're kind of just hoping to compete and we're a little bit lucky to be here and and I think just being maybe two or three percent or whatever you know to, to quantify it um if if you don't believe that you're on the same level as these teams you've kind of got no chance so yeah next year they're going to have to switch the psyche completely as you've said and we have won the division before and that does help um and quite honestly I I would say that the team that they picked yesterday would have a better chance than some of the teams that we've picked recently. Uh, we do need new players. We do need to freshen it up. But yeah, it will be it will be fascinating to see who we pick. And and just to I know, we've spoken about him a lot, but Pookie again yesterday um, was didn't look sharp. Um, and I think it, that's going to be huge next season. The, the Pookie issue, whether we have someone to, to bring in to um to kind of back him up or even to 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 challenge for that spot or whether we completely back Timmy Pookie and say we expect you to do what you did last time I'll be interested to see what we do there which he, he might well be able to do uh, I agree with what you said there about how the team that played looked um I suppose the question mark as we kind of said is how much will Watford giving them the space to do that? But, it but that will happen next season, right? With a of lot course of it will. Yeah, we'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, so it's really interesting. Although I saw about 30 seconds of championship action last night and I just found myself going, oh, they're so at it. <laughs> so that is one thing, Norwich, regardless of where they are now, they've got to do it. They've got to be at it next year because they will just get, we've seen it happen before. You can be good players, but you can get smashed in the championship quite easily. Uh, let me just plug, if I may, uh, there's plenty of Norwich City content to read on The Athletic right now. I can assure you, because I'm frightfully busy, uh, there is some good stuff to come. Uh, you can read all that and more for free until the end of the Premier League season, uh, which I suppose we're kind of wishing away in one content, but in context, but don't in this because the Athletic is free for 30 days right now. Simply go to theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod to sign up. Um, I've got a question for you, gents. What is the question you want answering now by Norwich City or whoever? Uh, Phil's just given an expression that says, I don't know, give me a minute. So <laughs> Steve, I'm going to come to you. What's the question you want answering? And you've had to answer this you know, several times. So is there a fresh question? Yeah, I was, I was hoping Phil wasn't going to uh, pull that expression because I don't, I, don't, I don't really have one, to be honest. I think... Oh, go, go on, on Phil. I really want to know when Josip Dermic is bringing out another record because I'm, I'm worried about his future career um, as a footballer. So maybe as, a, as an artist in his own right. It was, uh, uh, I saw a funny tweet saying that um, Josip um, has... Um, He's struggled since he decided to concentrate more on jugs in baths. Now, I didn't really get that, um, what he meant by that, but maybe some of his music fans uh, do. Um, 
I do. I must admit, it's interesting. I, I do look at him and Ida, Adam Ida, and see quite similar players. So I don't know if having both of those in the next season squad would kind of work because of. I think, uh, I think Adam Ida's, uh, uh, you know, I just like the size of him actually, bigger and stronger. And, um, you know, a few times, I'm not, I think maybe when you come off the bench sometimes, you put yourself about a bit too much because you're so desperate to make an impact on the game. And, you know, and he is a big guy. And, and, and maybe a lack of an ex, uh, lack of experience is sometimes, you know, people are quite cute on there. I think it was Firmino last night, the, the, the fullback for um, Watford, bought a few free kicks. Oh. Really, I mean, yeah. he, he shouldn't have got at all. And no. yeah, he's contemporary. But, but that's part of the experience. And I think Adam Eder has, has definitely got something about him, not just with that uh, sniff of a goal up front, but also size and power as well. So I, I'm sort of, I'm quite excited to see what he's going to do. So actually my question will be, I'm, I'm really interested to see if he does get a start between now and the end of the season. I know lots of people have talked about that, but Daniel Farker said to us uh, for the pre-match press conference, he wasn't going to be giving any gifts out. He was still going to be playing who he thought was the best player. But you could argue he, he's sort of, if, if Pookie's not going to be given the nod, he should be number two instead of damage. Um, Adam Adam Messina was the one as well, by the way, Phil. That Watford number eleven. There was one point where he really oh, yeah. outmuscled Max Aaron's twice, and then went back up the other way. As soon as he felt Max in his back, went straight over, and it's like, ah. <laughs> anyway, Steve, go. I have thought of a quick question, yes. actually, and it is: uh, Are we going to rethink our set piece defensive set piece strategy because uh, it keeps shooting us in the foot? Has done for three seasons. Um, is is that something that they're going to look at over the summer? It is. Um, I think I've, I've worked out in the piece I've written. I've got it written down here. That's handy. Um, Norwich have conceded 120 goals in the last season and a bit. So these two seasons, that includes them winning the championship, 120 goals. That time, Sheffield United have conceded 74. Um, uh, um, so, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, and this is kind of my piece, you know, Norwich have got to rediscover how they score goals because they scored 93 of them last season and they've scored, what, 30-odd this. So they've got to do that. But, um, you know, they, it would be nice to see some defensive improvement. And I think that also factors into the fact that out of the back four, who is going to still be here and how much will they have improved from this season? Because Jamal Lewis had a, quite a difficult... I thought he did okay, actually. I thought he, he grew 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 better as the game wore on but he had a difficult time against um Saar I thought and um if you're talking about a 15 million 20 million pound defender which I guess Norwich will be hoping they are um you know he didn't necessarily look it at times of course I should say I've tweeted today maybe this is a silver lining which we normally ask next maybe this is the question I want answering but I've tweeted this morning uh, Norwich's transfer rumours have um, included this very morning that uh, Norwich are going to demand £50 million for Ben Godfrey and Sheffield United reckon they can get Todd Campwell for £10 million now, something's quite awry in, in all of that and I don't think any of us really know what what the transfer window is going to look like and we have obviously spoken about it a bit as well but it'll be interesting how what, what where max ben and jamal are going forwards i think yeah um sorry i'll let you take this one phil no i, I, I just i think it's fascinating because we keep talking about we, we, we've got real mixed messages as norwich fans haven't we because we go squad's not good enough or we don't want to sell those players well if they're not good enough, maybe we should sell them. And uh, if, if we can get a lot of money for them, maybe we can buy someone equally. You know, it's, it's all this potential, isn't it? That, that's, that's half of it. And what value do you put on potential? 
and when does potential stopping potential Timu Puki? You know, there was rumours about him maybe going in January if someone was going to throw a load of money at him because he'd been so hot and then he's gone off the boil. Is he going to be the same player next season? You know, it's it's really difficult to, to know when to cash in your chips, isn't it? And, um, you know, if you, if you were talking about cashing them all in, how much money do you want? And then what can you do with that money anyway? What, what can you buy? Can you guarantee you're going to buy anyone as good as what you've got? So it, I, I think it's fascinating to see what Norwich are going to do with it. Uh, well, yeah. and, and I have to say, Steve, it's going to be fascinating who does come forward to offer the money and how much they offer. That, that to me, it, that's going to say almost about who outside of Norwich um, really values what certain players have done this year. Yeah, and, you know, uh, you talk about Lewis and Aaron, who have been two of our better players this season and are two of our most prized assets. They found yesterday really difficult, particularly Jamal Lewis. And I did see someone make the point on Twitter, these are players, you know, at, at the moment, they're probably not top six Premier League players. So you're, you're paying for potential, basically. Um, so would a Tottenham or an Arsenal take a risk on one of those two? At the moment, I, I don't think they necessarily would. Um, if we're talking silver linings, um, great feature by the way, because it's been completely relevant in every in all six games that we've had since the lockdown. So you, you must have foreseen something there. Um, for me, it was Emmy Buendia, who I just thought was back to his like his best really in terms of dictating the the way that we played, picking up the ball, being strong. Did a couple of things. We gave the ball away in stupid positions. That's fine. I accept that from Emmy now that that happens. Um, <laughs> scored, scored his goal and it was a brilliant goal as well. So pleased that we, we didn't end the season without him scoring. Um, and, you know, I, I saw you mentioning Godfrey and Campwell's names um, as, as players who might go. Um, but no one's really come after Buendia yet. Is there a chance that he might still be with us next season? I find it hard to believe that someone that good will come back down to the championship. But I mean, maybe. I mean, I would love it. Um, I thought it was interesting how Daniel spoke about him after the game, saying, "Look, we're developing him. He's he is developing. Look at his improvement." Um, which I can see in elements. Um, and so then you have to kind of decide whether is it going to be a part of his development to now go back down to the championship. Now you see, I, I struggle with that. So um, I think I think there's a lot of people who assume that yeah, you know, he will be one of the first to go, and there will be a lot of people, not necessarily in England either, who would pay the money to take him on. And I think there's a lot of clubs who like the look of him. And he, his stats this season really say too much um, about his potential. Certainly in terms of chance creation, he, he will score goals. Um, so. I think, and I've said it before, if you put him in a better side, I think he has the potential to do a, a whole load of, of good. Um, and actually, in terms of his discipline and defensive work, it's not as important if you play for United necessarily because you've, you've, you're in a stronger position to dominate games anyway. Um, so I think that will be really, really interesting. Uh, I, I just can't see it. And actually, to me, Steve, the fact that it is quiet means no one wants to let on. If you have, if you have speculation coming out that, you know, someone's looking at someone a lot or there's a lot of money that, that could potentially go around or eight clubs have been linked with this player then you start to think okay well they're trying to fish for something here if you don't hear anything I think you can probably start to assume that bang <laughs> uh, when the time comes right um, the uh, the people will step up there we go it is West Ham at Carrow Road on Saturday 12.30pm kickoff 
Um, if you're so inclined, it'll be live on BT Sport. We'll also have a, uh, a live uh, match discussion room on The Athletic, as we have done for every game since the restart. West Ham host Burnley tonight. If you're interested, that doesn't directly affect Norwich's um, situation, really. Um, the key thing is Norwich are 10 points from uh, safety. There are only 12 to play for. Um, so we can understand from that that Norwich can be relegated by full-time on Saturday. They play at 12.30, as do Watford. Um, <clears throat> one exciting Saturday that will be. Um, but that is it for this edition of On The Ball. Uh, we hope you're enjoying what we're doing. If you do, please spread the word across the Norwich City world. If you'd like to get in touch with us, um, ask any questions or propose a topic for us to cover, then sling me a tweet or direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. Uh, in the meantime, it is a big thank you uh, to uh, Phil Daly. Cheers, Phil. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Michael. There he is. And, uh, and Steve, thank you. Thanks as always to all of you for listening. We really appreciate it. We will return after Saturday's uh, potentially deciding encounter with another edition of On the Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, good night.